Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm your host Holly Rubenstein and on today's destination special we are going to be talking about some of the most beautiful and awe-inspiring national parks in the UK. Today's episode is brought to you by the Recharge in Nature Project, a three-year partnership between BMW and National Parks UK. And I'll be joined by a friend of the podcast, former guest on season three, Juliet Kinsman, who is a sustainability editor of Condé Nast Traveller magazine and the author of The Green Edit, Easy Tips for the Eco-Friendly Traveller, as well as being an aficionado of the national parks here in the UK. When you say you know national parks i think it often really evokes the u.s because the u.s has so many national parks and national parks tourism is so well established that um you forget sometimes that here in the uk we have 15 magnificent national parks from the soaring mountains and serene lakes of the lake district national park to the rugged moorlands and rolling hills of Dartmoor National Park and the wild ponies that roam around, you know, the New Forest. They are all so special in their own right. And I'm so excited today to uncover Juliet's National Parks Travel Diaries, where not only will we take a closer look at what makes these parks that she's picking so special, but we'll also explore how we can ensure their protection for generations to come because national parks play such a vital role in preserving natural environments protecting wildlife and giving us the opportunity to enjoy the great outdoors and educate ourselves in the process but of course they also face threats such as climate change pollution and unsustainable tourism so we'll dive into these challenges and explore what we can do to help mitigate their impact and ensure the long-term sustainability of these incredible parks that we have to offer I mentioned this episode is brought to you in partnership with BMW and the National Parks UK's Recharge and Nature Project. This is an initiative that is really worth shining a light on. Not only is it supporting nature restoration, biodiversity and well-being, it focuses also on access. The project is enhancing the electric vehicle charging infrastructure around our national parks. To make it that bit easier to use an electric car when exploring around them because they're often so vast and so remote, so rural that if you're driving an electric car, you might be anxious about when you'll next be able to charge it. So this project in part is aiming to alleviate that range anxiety that you can get, which I think is a really great thing. So grab your binoculars, your walking boots and your sense of adventure And let's get started as we delve into the national parks of the UK. Juliet Kinsman, welcome back to the Travel Diaries podcast. It's amazing to see you. How are you? Thank you. What an honour to to come back and to talk about one of my favourite topics, actually, genuinely. I am so thrilled. This is such an inspiring subject, isn't it? It is. And actually, I think it's because I'm a pretty new, I'm a new, a new convert to nature and appreciating it. You know, if you if we chatted a few years ago, I would probably one of those be one of those people who really loves cultured city breaks, sexy weekends away, all of that, you know, the fancy hotels. And now I realize simple nature, that's what we need. This episode is all about recharging in nature. So what 
what does that like conceptually what does that mean to you you know in the time when we all took a great pause and reflected on how much we loved travel because we couldn't travel yeah I really thought about you know why do we travel what do we get out of it and I also thought as I was trapped in my basement flat in West London, how much I miss nature. I could feel it. Mm. And I spoke to different people who worked uh, in safari in Africa because we, we, we connected with the travel industry all abroad from mm-hmm. our homes. Yeah. So, you know, we had to travel vicariously. Yeah. And someone really talked to me about the power of safari in terms of neuroscience. And she, she told me about how, you know, listening to those sounds, the sounds of nature, it really resets your circadian rhythms. It really helps soothe your parasympathetic system, you know, mm. knocks us out of our fight or flight mode, mm. which I definitely was in during, yeah. during that time. Which we're, we're all guilty of like falling into so easily. Also now moving forward. Totally. I mean, yeah. actually human beings, I think, have never been more physically you know, scrunched up into fight or flight, yet we don't have any woolly mammoths chasing us or anything like that. That's <laughs> yeah. the weird thing. Yeah. And we forget, actually, I mean, we are we are animals as human beings. We are nature. We're part of nature. And as somebody who obviously really encourages people to understand sustainable travel, what does that mean, and enjoy the environment and care for the environment, what I loved learning about was, did you know, do you know what your vagus nerve is? Yes, I do. Because if it's disrupted, it can really disrupt your entire well-being. Um, I know about it actually from my daughter and where her tongue sits. If your tongue sits on the roof um, on your palate properly, then it calms your vagus nerve. Um, and if you are in a constipated fight or flight, of course, that completely disrupts exactly. your vagal system. Yeah, exactly. So vagus, vagus is Latin. It means wandering. So it's the biggest wandering nerve in the body. Exactly that. So it serves all of your vital organs. And I, I believe really nature, trees, all of that, touching it, seeing it, feeling it, that speaks to your vagus nerve. Mm. We need it. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and being out in nature, connecting with the earth also grounds you and calms the, the vagus nerve in a, a literal grounding sense. I know. I feel like we sound like some, some woman I overheard in a cafe in Notting Hill earlier. We were talking about their spiritual cleansing. But it's true. <laughs> it is so true. It's I mean, true. no wonder forest bathing and all of these other kind of nature rituals have become mainstream. It is because actually we there is a... A noticeable benefit from it absolutely yeah and we have to we have to reconnect with nature and I it's think... not hippie anymore <laughs> no yeah. well hippies actually all they were saying were actually just live like we're meant to live yeah in tune with nature I, yeah I completely agree and I am so excited that we are going to be honing in on a subject that I don't think gets enough airtime national parks in the UK I mean we've got so many beautiful parks on our doorstep and we're going to go on a journey through your national parks travel diaries because I know that they're something that you feel passionately about. Yes, I mean, I'm going to be really, really honest with you. I never really categorized them in my mind as national parks. So I've really loved realizing that. I always thought there were the places in America that we always hear about, Yellowstone and all the, you know, the yeah. big headlines. Monument Valley. Yeah. And yeah. so when I looked at sort of, I was, I was curious and I looked at which the national parks I realized that some of them are the places I know and love. Others are absolutely the places I most want to go to, but they are, you know, they fall into that category. So when I actually thought about the national parks in the UK, I obviously 20 years ago, 2002, we had an idea for something that became Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the hotel guidebook. Yeah. So 
few of us, the beginning team, we got in our cars and we drove around the country and looked at the cutest boutique bolt holes. And I remember particularly driving up to the Lake District. I've ne- I'd never done that before. Arriving there, Lake Windermere, the lakes. And it was just like, just like a painting, you know, like yeah. something you'd seen in the National Gallery. Yeah. This landscape, it's just incredible, these big wide open skies. And well, and I stayed in a, a lovely little converted pub and, you know, great little restaurants and, and, and all of that. But really, it was the landscape. It blew me away. I thought we so neglect what's on our doorstep. Mm. We think we have to get on a plane or travel abroad. I mean, there is the weather factor, but, you know, defending, there's nothing like a cozy stay after a long walk, whatever the weather is. Yeah, exactly. And for, and for me, so that the lakes did that. And also Snowdonia. Mm. Snowdonia driving along wending my way through those mountain roads and it was like it was like driving through screensavers do you know what I mean that's sort of <laughs> yeah high definition perfect landscape yeah it's too good too good to be real mm. okay well let's kick off then chapter one is the first national park here in the UK that you fell in love with who could drive through a forest or a park and not be completely wild when you see wild horses. Ah, oh, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. And it's true. Who couldn't be? It still baffles me every single time I get to the New Forest it National is. Park. I mean, talk about connecting with nature. It's, there's just such a wow factor to it, isn't there? It's, it's, actually, it's actually ridiculous when I think of the first time I went there. Um, it's just, just too cute to be real. But And there, as I say, I am a sucker for the great hotel. So you have the, the first ever pig hotel was there in the New Forest. It's mm-hmm. big sister Limewood is there. And right in the heart of the forest, whether you're walking, whether you're in your car, just enjoying nature in that way. And then, of course, it rolls down to the water. And I went to Shooton Glen the other day. Darren Venables is their grounds, uh, head, of, head of their grounds. And the way he, ta- he talked about nature and all of that made me realize, again, how much we don't appreciate it and actually how little we know about our own nature on our doorstep. So he was mm-hmm. particularly talking about hedgerows and how important it is to, to nurture those for all the little, whether it's the birds or the insects or whoever's living in there. And just, it's just a, a huge lesson to us, actually, about how, how the world needs to tick. That's Absolutely. Nature. Yeah. And in the New Forest, if you were spending a trip and staying at one of those hotels or somewhere else, what, what would you be doing? What would be your perfect way to enjoy nature there? That's a great question because typically I would have handed you a long list of tips and things to do and the pictures to take. And you know what? I think we just need to do a lot less and we just mm. need to do nature. Yeah. So that's I, such that's such a profound thing to say. I'm actually just thinking about it. Because yeah. Because of course we always feel obliged to be maximalists and and be doing, doing. But we're, we're planning, human. planning, saving on Instagram where we want to go, writing our, our hit list, yeah, and creating little itineraries before we've even set off. Totally. And so I think actually taking a deep breath, as you mentioned grounding or you mentioned forest bathing. I love that forest bathing, by the way, was, I'm sure you know, invented in the 80s in, in Japan. People think it's, they often call it the ancient art of forest bathing. But it was, it was created for, for people who live in cities who genuinely very quickly need to tune into nature as a sort of health benefit. Yeah. Um, so I would say... Doesn't Prince Charles also engage oh, in a bit sure. of that? I'm sure. Oh, poor, I lo- King Charles. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> King 
King Charles. Oh my God, it's going to take a long time for that to reset in my brain. You know, he was one of the early, early environmentalists in this country and, mm. and, you know, talked about conservation. He's been there. He's been talking about it since the 70s. So, yeah, I'm picturing him walking along with bare feet on the ground. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Camilla. <laughs> she smokes. She might be just <laughs> out there in nature. You know, we make fun of all these terms and where they've sort of become a bit sort of pejorative tree hugger and things like that. But there is sense to all of this, this yeah. connection with nature. And yeah. I think, as I say, you know, really reconnecting with nature and not being distracted. What makes me really sad is people's addiction to their digital devices. It probably includes me. Oh, yeah. And me. So, you know, it's the antidote to that. Yeah. Being present. Imagination as well. Just allowing our minds to wander and drift rather than being consumed with some sort of I know, somewhere else and being there completely in the moment. Well, chapter two is your all-time favorite national park. I mean, there are so many great ones here to choose from. What would be the one that stands out for you? It's really hard to have a, you know, your favorite, your favorite national park, but I'm going to think of a time where it was just what the doctor ordered, actually. And, and it's funny when I say that, because actually I understand that the Scottish National Health Service does prescribe time in nature, genuinely. Mm. So it's, I'm going to say, I don't really have a league table of, of, of <laughs> national parks, but I'm going to say the Cairngorms really was a profound experience for me. It was, it was after we'd emerged from the first lockdown and I went up to Scotland and... spending time soaking up those you know just looking at all those trees and thinking about rewilding and having hope for the world it made me feel optimistic so what I also loved about the Cairngorms is that it also had a lot of storytelling it's got a lot of history it's where Balmoral is yeah of course yeah yeah so I loved going there and also having that sense of you know if you're a travel travel writer or an explorer you have a sense of curiosity so you you do want to go beyond nature sometimes and I love going to Bremer, so that's in the Highlands, and there's a fantastic hotel there. Yes. I've got to admit, Five yeah. Farms. Have yeah. you been? Yes, yes. It's absolutely extraordinary with the most incredible artwork collection, isn't there? Yeah, well, it's owned by the gallerists, Hauser and Worth. And so I think, I think often we just, you know, we, we, we underestimate the power of nature on, on our mind, body, and uh, soul well-being, but also art art is really important and I feel that yeah in a similar way so I really loved going there staying in this hotel full of art full of eccentricity it was the perfect combination for me and of course it's the birthplace of the the royal the royal highland games yeah exactly (laughs) truly like out in nature and also there's you know just straight outside it there's a stream running past and then just you know five minutes drive and you're at in complete wilderness aren't you in rolling highlands it's the, the highlands in its purest sense yes and I think when I was driving I, I remember seeing um when you see the funicular or the ski what do you call it yeah there's, yeah there's a ski resort yeah. there 
So, I mean, this was summer, but I remember thinking, look, I love, I love Britain. It's got so much going on yeah. in the UK. I, I visited it as part of a Scottish road trip that I did that really showed off the top of topography of, of, of Scotland and its diverse nature. From We went from um, Edinburgh along to Glen Eagles to Fort William up to the Isle of Skye and the Kintail Mountains and then through the Cairngorms to Braemar and then back down. And I thought that was a really nice route to take. That's not a dissimilar circuit to me. I, I was ah. in a mini with uh, three three girls, two mums, <laughs> driving around Scotland. It was fun. And 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 going back to the Cairngorms, I mean, you can drive for you know hours through that national park, through its winding steep hills, crisp, you know, doing hairpin bends crossing through valleys passing you know roaming stags and um and not see anybody for such a long time and actually just going back to the recharging in nature project I mean that is the kind of environment where actually you could get that roaming anxiety you know that you have if you have an electric car like what would happen if I got oh stuck goodness. here I think I think actually I enjoyed that experience <laughs> did in you real actually? life I think I did but it was fine yeah um, but as we know, I mean, this was actually, do you know, this was, only, this was only obviously a couple of years ago or three years ago and actually things have already come on such a long way well, since yeah, then. Well, yeah, this is what's so, I mean, this is what is genuinely so encouraging about this project because the idea that you can get yourself, you know, get, get, get lost potentially in a national park in the, in the kind of free sense rather than the worrying sense, but know that you actually are safe is quite reassuring. Totally. Yeah. Gosh, I think, I mean, with all those landscapes and the scenes you're, you're beautifully evoking, you know, you picture those, uh, Scottish, the shortbread biscuit tins. Yeah. Seems like such a cliche. Yeah. Um, and it is that, yeah. isn't it? You can't quite believe that it's just in front of you endlessly so, so to get to the Cairngorms what would you say is the best kind of like how would you do it as a route because I think I went to Edinburgh and then added it on there that's probably the easiest way to take in the, the Cairngorms would you say I I can't say because I did well I can't I went up to Scotland I went yeah. up through the Lake District actually oh so you took in another national I, park no, on the way definitely did um then I went round I also uh, Went right to the top, to Allerdale. And so I came back round on the sort of eastern side into the Cairngorms that way. And it was it was dramatic, actually. It was quite profound, really, seeing such underpopulated parts of the UK. Mm. It was a real, it was really refreshing and an antidote. The only regret I have is I didn't go to, have you heard of Saoirse 1875? No. So it's, it's, it's a, the first vegan hotel. Oh. In the UK, yes. And it's in the Cairngorms? Yes, it is. It really is. And so I know that you always love, you always love a little a tip for of course places I do. to stay. A yeah. little hidden gem. And I've written about it so many times, yet I've never actually been. And so what I learned about, uh, well, veganism, plant-based, in this case, property, was they even have duvets and, and pillows, which are made from uh, upcycled pet bottles let's say which doesn't sound good but they've done it in a really sensitive way yeah and even they've got vegan wines because I don't know if you know lots of there's often there's a, a fish component which is used to filter wines so lots of mm -hmm. wines are not vegan anyway, right but the point is we're talking about celebrating nature so you can't be closer to nature than having a vegan a vegan hotel 
Very cute. So if I were to go that back there. That is so interesting. Only 11 rooms, little country house hotel. I would go and stay there. What an amazing tip. So, of course, I want to know, what's, what's your favourite favorite park? Oh, we're so lucky, aren't we? I actually think that I'd pick one that maybe isn't so well well known, maybe so famous internationally. And that would be the South Downs National Park. Now, the reason that I picked that is because I kind of grew up around that area. And so I really kind of got under its skin. But it's an area that encompasses West and East Sussex and Hampshire. So if you were visiting London and then wanted a place to go for like, you know, a little excursion, it's really accessible, firstly. But you know, in in its essence, it's known for its rolling hills, the downs, um, which are so dramatic and so beautiful. And they have these far stretching views of the English Channel. And it's home to some beautiful market towns, you know, and amazing, charming villages like Midhurst and Petworth and Arundel. Um, and what I love about these places in West Sussex in particular within the South Downs is that they have really preserved a lot of independent shops, a lot of traditional pubs, a lot of historic architecture is, you know, really present there so that if you were coming to the UK and maybe you wanted to get like that kind of Cotswolds traditional picture postcard village, like it's a really good alternative, especially in the height of tourist season when those villages will be just run with buses. Like it's a really good alternative. But of course, we're talking about the perfect places to like recharge in nature. So there's a place within the South Downs National Park that was like my my place during the great pause that I went to um to to recharge and found really therapeutic and that is a place called Swanbourne Lake part of the wider South Downs National Park and that's right by Arundel Castle um and and really it's just a, a, a cute uh, well it's a vast glistening lake its name suggests covered in swans and beautiful wildfowl moorhens ducks people on little rowboats and either side of these like dramatic hills that are covered in you know lush ancient woodland it is the ultimate like nourishing and quite dramatic like but beautiful calming part of a wider national park that yeah I think is maybe a bit underrepresented I've been on a road trip all around there, you're, you're reminding me in that part of the world. There's some great B&Bs, really yes. stylish B&Bs. Yes, yeah. You're mentioning fantastic places. Yeah. Petworth and, and yeah. Yeah. Know, combining nature with culture. And of course, I must mention, like, obviously, the South Downs Way, that is the very, uh, well, for the more challenging hiker, pot potentially, if you want to do the whole thing. But it's, you know, winding through these incredible hills always looking out towards the channel and uh yeah a great place for hiking a great place for uh wildfowl butterflies it's yeah it's it's a it's a fantastic spot i i love it it means a lot to me and honestly talking of butterflies when you said that and i pictured i had been there on that walk i got butterflies just oh, remembering yeah. it honestly yeah. it's 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 a combination of the best of, of a sort of agricultural views so nice farming views and then just wild wild nature isn't it yes absolutely so then Juliet your next chapter is chapter three and that is your hidden gem your national parks hidden gem they're all hidden they've all got so many hidden gems within them and they're all hidden gems in their own right but um yeah which would you pick so I would say I've always heard about the 
peak, you always hear about the Peak District. It seems sort of mythical, the Peak District. We study it geography at school. And I couldn't turn down an opportunity to go visit a hotel there, particularly when they suggested they had new little tree houses. So Wild Hive at Callow Hall in Derbyshire, I would say those little tree houses, they're not quite as authentic, like clambering up the bark on a ladder (laughs) into a tree house, which is kind of what you want, no. But what's great about these is they are much more accessible. So, so, you know, different families, different sizes, different ages, everyone can go and stay there. And I love that you could borrow their electric bikes and wend your way through the lanes, really easy to do and get not just get to the countryside, but at an even slower pace, enjoy it by bike. So I would say my hidden gem is probably the tree houses at Wild Hive at Callow Hall, but particularly their little bike rides there. So for somebody who hasn't been to the Peak District, the Peak District National Park, what's it like? What does it look like? Like what's the feel, would you say, in general? So I think this is going to be a little bit sort of like geography porn if I start describing it (laughs) but I once went on a road trip with a friend of mine who's a real geography geek he would enjoy this it's just it's a landscape it's lots of contrast really interesting topography so you imagine you obviously that the headline act is the dark peak Mm -hmm. people may remember that from their geography lessons and then there's that that's it's really sort of that's amid the, the moorland so it's really sticking out dramatic you've got all the all the different it's really rugged types. isn't it totally. rugged and untamed totally. so i think the peak district is really neglected we always hear about the lake district mm. we always hear well we hear about snowdonia the ones i've talked about but the peak district is that area as you drive north it's not sort of up up north but it's between that lovely area between Manchester and Sheffield. I've got family. All my family comes from Manchester originally on my on my mum's side. So I think I'd love to explore that better. I'd love to know it better. Buxton's there. You've got you've got you've got Bakewell there. So these yeah, are all these yeah, are iconic these iconic British, places British to visit. Places. Absolutely. And the actual geography is really just interesting and and people are obsessed with Instagramming or capturing images and actually capture the images, but put the phone down and just look at it in real life. And think, you know, the land is a magnificent thing. I read a book by Robert McFarlane called Landscapes. And it came out a few years ago and it highlighted how we've lost so much of our language relating to land. Really? Yes. So as the dictionary is updated every year, old words are bumped out to make new for the more relevant words. Lots of technology words coming in. Out go these very distinct nuanced words representing how land might be in different parts of the country and so I'd love to know what the vernacular is associated with the Peak District Mm. we should have fun we should talk to someone like Ben Schott you know I'm sure he'd come up with lots of made-up words for the Peak District (laughs) but it's a really rich interesting geography absolutely I mean you'll come across so many stunning rock formations in particular when you're in the Peak District I it's been a long time since I was there but of course there's a famous Stanage Edge, which you know juts out into the sky like a massive stone dragon, isn't it? And then there are these sheer drop-offs at Winnet's Pass, which you know I found just totally awe-inspiring. And then you can visit the the peaks of Kinderscout and Mam Tor. It's really just enough to make your heart skip a beat, isn't it? It's so exciting. 
Yeah, and that's very, very Tolkien, you know. I mean, yeah. even how you pronounce it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's sounding like that. You're, you're making it sound mystical and romantic and exciting to me. Well, I mean, I know that you have experienced a lot of our National Parks, Juliet, but is there one, our final chapter, chapter four, that is at the top of your bucket list to visit or maybe to go back to? You know... I think I just drove through it. We talked about Scotland. I would like to go back to the Loch Lomond and the Trossachs National Park. Mm. It's only 30 minutes from Glasgow. I love Glasgow as a city. So for me, it's balancing the yin and the yang often in these road trips. You want all of the pure nature and you want all of the relaxing time there. But it is nice to have it bookended or punctuated by some fun little cultural moments as we've discussed. But for me... I'd go back to Loch Lomond. You've you've talked about the wildlife as well that you see. And I think looking out for, say, eagles, specific birds. I never used to be interested in those smaller details, but I really am now. And I would go there. And of course, we haven't talked about the food all over the UK. And I think the original Loch Fine Oyster Bar. Yes. That's on the far side of the pass through, through through this national park. So, yeah, lots of different reasons, things to explore uh, and and definitely write home about. Oh, Juliet, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so lovely to, it's actually been really kind of quite therapeutic and calming, just picturing these beautiful spots around the UK, isn't it? Yeah, we've, we've, we've swirled around from, <laughs> from South Downs to the New Forest, round to Snowdonia, up through peak district and then into scotland and back yeah there's a lot we have to celebrate in the yeah. uk yeah oh well, thank you so much those were your travel diaries all about our national parks it has just been so much fun thank you so much well i think we can conclude that there's nothing quite like the feeling of heading out into the great outdoors to recharge in nature and we firmly established that the uk's national parks are the perfect place to do just that and now it's getting easier to explore them by electric vehicle thanks to the increasing enhancement of the ev charging network across all 15 national parks over the next three years it's brilliant so Whether you're looking to escape the hustle and bustle of city life or just need a break from your screens, spending time in nature can work wonders for your mental and physical well-being. It certainly does for me. And there's just something truly magical about being surrounded by stunning landscapes. So why not take a deep breath of fresh air, feel that sun on your face and let yourself be truly immersed in the natural world the next time you can. To discover more about the Recharge in Nature project, visit bmw.co.uk forward slash national parks. A huge thank you to Juliet for sharing her National Parks travel diaries with us and to BMW. I'll see you all next week. Take care. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travelers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travelers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.